Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of CityWalk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with CityWalk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search CityWalk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Well, good evening. Good Friday, everyone. Uh, This will be kind of a pretty casual night, Uh, not kind of normal to be out here, well, in here, out here, whatever that is. But uh, we're going to sing a few songs and... And you have the lyric sheets there. You can stand. You can sit. Don't feel pressure to do any of the sort, either or. Um, it's just a kind of time to reflect on what Christ has done for us uh, on the cross and, and what that meant uh, for us today and what that meant for us yesterday, how it means for us tomorrow. Um, so uh, if you want to stand, sit, we're going to sing uh, Hallelujah for the Cross. But my freedom, hallelujah. 
I am healed by your death I live the power of sin is overcome it is finished it is heard by your stripes I am healed by your death I live the power of sin is overcome it is finished it is heard by your stripes I am healed by your death I live the power of sin is overcome it is finished, it is done By your stripes I am healed By your death I live The power of sin is overcome It is finished, hallelujah Thank you, Jesus I was a prisoner Now I'm not With your blood you but my freedom, hallelujah, for the cross, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, I was a prisoner, now I'm not. With your blood, you, but my freedom, hallelujah. blood you but my freedom hallelujah for the cross away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as blue But the blood of Jesus For my part in this I see Nothing but the blood of Jesus For my cleansing this my plea Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No precious is the blue that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I knew. Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
your sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus, not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus, not is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blood that makes me white as snow. Of who found I knew, nothing but the blood of
Father, we oftentimes forget. Um, it takes us a whole year to, to get back to really remembering what you've done and really focusing in on that. And God, what a great time to celebrate really what you've done. God, the, and the world doesn't understand. And oftentimes we don't understand. We get to celebrate someone's death. But God, you willingly, Jesus gave up your life for us. Not for us just to live how we want to, not for us just to, to go about life, but God, to be changed here, to have peace here, but God, even more than that, to have eternity and a relationship with you. God, you opened a way through Jesus. You paid for our sin that separated us from you with your own son. And God, we, we thank you for that. We worship you for that. And God, maybe there's people here tonight that don't really totally understand that. And God, that's okay. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them as you revealed yourself to us. God, help us to always remember what you've done. And God, let us not be distracted by the things of this world that we would forget that a God, the God of the universe that created us, that loved us so much, that in our sin, in our wretchedness, in our brokenness, that you decided to send your son to die. And he wasn't made to die, but he willingly gave up his life for us. So God, we thank you for that. Help it to impact our life on today, on tomorrow. And God, would we share that? God, we thank you. Pray that you would open our minds and our ears to, to what is said next. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
Well, tonight uh, we're going to we're taking some time to celebrate something that if we were in the first century and we were celebrating a cross, it wouldn't make sense to people in the first century. In our society, the cross has become a religious symbol that people that uh, are religious and people that aren't religious even use. You see it on, on buildings, you see it on jewelry, uh, you see it on tattoos. I mean, people that go to church, people that don't go to church, the cross is a symbol that a lot of people use for different, for different reasons. But if we were in the first century, they would be like, what in the world are you putting like a tool of death on jewelry? Like they wouldn't get it. It'd be like uh, for, for those of us, you know, it, today that we, it'd be like us making a piece of jewelry and putting the electric chair on it. Or, or hey, let's uh, at the top of the building, let's put a, a gold electric chair on the top of the building. It would be kind of how that would be extremely weird for us because we see the electric chair and it's not something we use a lot anymore, but it's something that, that used to be used as a tool of death. I mean, we, we would look at that and be like, who, what weirdo lives in that house and is doing that? But for, for people in the first century, the cross was the same thing. And for us to really understand you know, why the cross is so important and why we call today a day that's built around someone dying on a cross, we call it Good Friday. And why would we call a day like today a day where somebody gave their life in a way that was extremely hard? Why would we call that good? And in order to understand that, we, we have to look back at the very beginning. At the very beginning, God created Adam and Eve, and he created them for a special relationship. He created them because he wanted to have a relationship with them. And then, whether you grew up in church or not, you've heard the story probably. Basically, Adam and Eve decided, you know what? We're not going to believe that God's way is best, and we're going to do something and do it our way because we think our way might be better. And it was in that moment where Adam and Eve decided to do things their way instead of doing things God's way, instead of believing God, that that relationship that God created man and, and women for was broken. And it was in that moment that man began to question God. Man began to question, does God really love me? Can I really trust God? Is God's way really best? And that was at the heart of why Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and sin and break that relationship. But, but we know this, and, and praise the Lord, God wasn't caught off guard in the garden. It wasn't like, oh man, back to the drawing board. What are we going to do now? We didn't see that one coming. No, no, God from the beginning of time already knew what was going to happen and he had a sovereign plan of how he was going to send a redeemer to rescue us from really ourselves and our sin and, and take the relationship that had been broken and heal it. And as you read through the Old Testament, if you read through the Old Testament, Chris and I were just talking about, he's listening to the Old Testament right now. If you were to read through or listen to the Old Testament, you would hear all throughout the Old Testament, you would see an arrow that continued to point to something that's coming, to a redeemer, to a rescuer that was coming, something that was coming to heal the relationship between God and man. 
And then, and we just celebrated this, it seems like not very long ago at all, we, we celebrated that Redeemer coming. And, and it finally happened after hundreds and hundreds and literally thousands of years after Adam and Eve decided to go their own way and break that relationship with God, God sent a Redeemer. And we, 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 we hear this verse usually at Christmas in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He is the Rescuer. This is the one we've been waiting for. And, and most of you, if you've been to church, you've, you've heard a little bit about Jesus. He, he was born into a carpenter's family. He was a carpenter's son. He spent the first 30 years of his life kind of a, a son of a carpenter and, and just a normal dude. But, but at about the age of 30, he began his public ministry and he made very clear at the beginning of his public ministry that he said it this way. He said, I'm here to seek and save the lost. I'm here to rescue. I'm here to heal the relationship between God and man. That's why I'm here. And early on in his kind of ministry, it became real clear that not everybody was excited about Jesus being here and doing things the way he was doing. And in fact, the religious crowd got very upset. They didn't like his message. They didn't like who he hung out with. He hung out with sinners. That They didn't like uh, how he was challenging some of their legalistic traditions. And so from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, the religious leaders started to put together a plan to eliminate him. And ultimately, their goal was to kill him. All the while, they didn't understand that their evil plotting was actually part of God's plan all along. God's plan of bringing a Redeemer. Jesus, after three years of ministry, he's now 33 years old. He's been ministering. He's been healing people. He's been telling people the good news. And now he's 33 years old. And it's coming to the point where he knows his time is over. His, his ministry is over and his, the reason he came, he knows it's about to happen. And so Jesus, he, he gets his guys together and they celebrate the Passover. And they have uh, what, we, what we call the Last Supper together. He has supper with his disciples, some of his best friends. He talks with them. Everything goes over their head. They still don't. He's like, I'm about to die. They totally don't get it still. They're like, pass the gravy. I've assured Jesus, yeah. At the end of that meal, Jesus invited a few of them to go and just, hey, guys, would you go, go pray with me? Jesus, it's, it's a little late, but okay. And so a handful of them went with Jesus, and they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. You can go to the Garden of Gethsemane if you've ever been to Israel. You can go right where they were. And Jesus, in that garden, he begins to pray. And about between 12.30 in the morning and about 2 in the morning, while he was there in the garden with some of his kind of best friends, the religious leaders sent guards to arrest him. They arrested Jesus, and that night they put him on trial. And actually, they put him through several trials in the same night. And they brought false witnesses in all night long, and they trumped up charges against them that weren't true. All the while, their goal is to eliminate Jesus in the cleanest way possible, at least for them. 
And, and so they did that. They, they throughout the night as they were putting him on trial, they also uh, beat him. They also spit in his face. They also humiliated him. They, they were trying to eliminate him. But before they did, they wanted to make sure he knew what they thought of him. And so they did. But because the religious leaders, they didn't really want Jesus' blood on their hands, they decided, let me turn, let's go to the people that are professional killers, the Romans. And let's see if we can get the Romans to do our dirty work. And so they did. They went to Pilate. They went to the Roman government in that area, and they said, hey, and they, again, false charges against Jesus, say, hey, you, you need to get rid of this guy. You need to eliminate this guy. You need to crucify this guy. And Pilate, the, the, kind, the guy that was kind of in charge of the, the government in that area, he, he in, kind of interviewed Jesus, and he's like, dude, that, I don't know why you guys don't like this guy. He's not a bad guy. I, I don't really see what you have against him. But because Pilate was kind of a wimp himself, he decided maybe I can just rough him up a little bit and then give him back, and they'll be okay. That'll be enough for him. And so he did. And, and, and Romans were professional torturers. They were professional killers. That's what they did. That's what one of the many things they're known for in history. And so they took Jesus that night, the Romans did, and they stripped him of his clothes. They tied his hands to a post. They, they took a whip that we, we call the cat of nine tails, and it had nine straps on it. And each strap had pieces of metal and glass and rock and, and basically beat Jesus until he didn't look like a human being. And again, this is what they're really good at. And they beat him that night. They put a robe on him to mock him, king of the Jews, just to make fun of him. Then they would take that robe and rip it off him so it would hurt even more because of the blood that the whipping had produced. They took a crown of thorns and they kind of weaved it together and then they put it on his head and with what was called a reed or a stick, they kind of pushed it into his head, and again, to torture him, but also to mock him. And then, because the Jews wouldn't, they weren't good with them just beating him up, Pilate had basically his hands tied, and he said, I guess I'm going to have to go through with this. So they gave Jesus a cross, and they asked him to carry his own cross about 650 yards. And Jesus, at this point, he's a, he's a carpenter. He's, this is not a wimp. Jesus is not a wimp. Jesus is a, a man's man, a strong... I mean, to even survive the torture and to be able to carry that cross at all, this is a strong man. But yet he was so badly beaten that he couldn't carry his own cross. And so someone else helped him, was made to help him. They took him and they put him on that cross and, and you know the story they took spikes and they nailed him to that cross and and all the while as he's hanging on that cross he's bleeding he's dying he's being mocked all the while and from that cross in 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 what would have been just a very abnormal and almost what in the world are you saying Jesus says father forgive them they don't even know what they're doing and after 14 hours of torture and, and mocking and just cruelty, Jesus made this declaration in John chapter 19, verse 30. It says this, 
When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It was in that moment that Jesus gave his life. He shed his blood for our sin. And it was in that moment that God proved once and for all, you can trust me. I do love you. I have your best interest. I gave my most precious possession simply so I could have a relationship with you. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 5. He says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this, he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We celebrate the cross and this Good Friday because it reminds us of God's great and unending love for each of us. And communion is something we do to remember God's love and to remember the beautiful sacrifice that Jesus made for us. It's actually something that Jesus modeled. In that last supper that he had with his guys, they actually took communion. And Jesus said, one day I'll do this again with you. And so what we, what we have, and, and uh, here in a second, if you, if you didn't get a chance to pick one up, you can go pick one up over in the, off the table there. Um, we'll be glad to get one to you. But in this... COVID-friendly communion cup, because you kind of everybody has their own. Uh, there's two parts to it. You, you pull the first part off, and there's a little piece of bread, little little cracker, and then you pull the second part off, and there's some juice. And, and the, the bread, the little cracker that we have, it represents Jesus' body. And so when we take communion and we take the bread, what we're doing is we're saying, Jesus, we remember We remember what you did. We remember. We are thankful for what you did by giving your body, by allowing your body to be broken for my sin. And then when we take the juice, it represents the blood of Jesus. And in the same way, when we drink that juice, we're not just drinking the juice for no reason. We're drinking it and we're remembering with gratitude that Jesus shed his own blood for me. I was the one that should have shed blood. You were the one that should have shed blood. But Jesus, his body was broken. His blood was poured out. And he traded us, our sin, for his righteousness. He traded us death for resurrection. We were the ones that should have died. And, and he traded for us. And so here in a second, we're going we're gonna to take communion and the two things that the Bible tells us are a requirement for, for communion is one is that you have a relationship with Jesus. So if there's, if there's ever been a time in your life where you have asked Jesus to be your Savior and you have a relationship with Him, then that's one of the things the Bible says. The second thing the Bible says that before you take communion, it says, hey, 
you want to have some opportunity to examine yourself. And here's why we examine ourselves before we take communion. Because I don't know about you, but just like Adam and Eve in the garden, sometimes God's way is best, and I go my own way in areas of my life. I'm guessing you probably do too. And so we want to take a moment in just the quietness of this evening, just maybe a minute or two, and and Julia's going to play, and I want to give you an opportunity to examine, hey, are there any areas in my life when I have been do, where I've been doing things my own way, I have not been believing that God's way is best, I've sinned, and I need to just repent. I need to tell God, hey, that I'm wrong, and I want to do things your way. And so we're going to give you just a couple minutes in the quietness of this moment to just bow your head right there and examine your own self, and then I'll come back and we'll take communion together. Corinthians chapter 11. He says this in verse 23. You can go ahead and take out the the little wafer. He says this. He says, The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember Christ's broken body as we take the bread. Go ahead and open up your shoes. Paul went on in that same passage and he says this as he talked about the cup he said in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often drink it in remembrance of me let's remember the blood of Jesus by taking the juice
Dear God, we are so thankful for a day that, as we look back, it would seem to be anything but good. A day when your son had his worst day. Even though he was doing it for us and he wanted to do it for us in his own body and in his own soul, it was a really, really tough day. But Lord, we are so thankful that your son shed his blood. We're so thankful that your son allowed his body to be broken so that we could have a relationship with you. Lord, this relationship we have with you is not something we deserve. It's not something we've earned. It's not something we could ever earn. But we're thankful that you loved us enough to send Jesus to die and raise from the dead for us. Help us tonight as we continue through our evening and into Easter morning. Help us never to take for granted or forget what you did so that we could have a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Set me free, hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living Hallelujah. 
being here for our actually our first good friday service as a church we've never done this before so and uh, we did it last year but we did it online so first time like this so sunday if you didn't know it's easter probably already knew that uh, on your way out if you haven't already pick up some invite cards uh still time to invite somebody to church we have two services sunday morning nine o'clock and ten forty-five. And then on Sunday night, we're actually launching our new online campus at 6. And so today I invited several people to our in-person service, but I also sent some messages to people around the country about, hey, jump on at 6 o'clock and be a part of our online campus. And so invite somebody to be with you. We're looking forward to a really good Sunday. Have a great rest of your Friday. We'll see you this weekend.